On February 4th, we commemorate the afterfeast of the meeting of our Lord in the Temple, Venerable Isidore of Pelusium, Right Believing George, the Great Prince of Vladimir, Venerable Cyril, the One Worker, Abbot of Novotrysk, Novgorod, Venerable Abraham and Coprius of Pechenga, Martyr Jadurus, Haramartyr Abramius, Bishop of Arbella in Assyria, Venerable Nicholas the Confessor, Abbot of Studion, and Saint Evagrisi, disciple of Saint Shio. Saint Isidore of Pelusium lived during the 4th-5th centuries. He was a native of Alexandria and was raised among pious Christians. He was a relative of Theophilus, Archbishop of Alexandria, and of his successor, Saint Cyril, commemorated on January 18th. While still a youth, he quit the world and withdrew to Egypt to Mount Pelusium, which became the site of his monastic efforts. St. Isidore's spiritual wisdom and strict asceticism, combined with his broad learning and innate knowledge of the human soul, enabled him to win the respect and love of his, his fellow monks in a short time. They chose him as their head and had him ordained a priest. The earliest sources for his life, however, say nothing of him being an igumen. Following the example of St. John Chrysostom, whom he had managed to see and hear during a trip to Constantinople, St. Isidore devoted himself primarily to Christian preaching. That practical wisdom, which in his words is both the foundation of the edifice and the edifice itself. While logic is its embellishment and contemplation, its crown. He was a teacher and willingly provided counsel for anyone who turned to him for spiritual encouragement. Whether it was a simple man, a dignitary, a bishop, the patriarch of Alexandria, or even the emperor, he left behind about 10,000 letters, of which 2,090 have survived. A large portion of these letters reveal profound theological thought and contain morally edifying interpretations of Holy Scripture. St. Photios, commemorated on February 6th, calls Isidore a model of priestly and ascetical life, and also a master of style. St. Isidore's love for St. John Chrysostom resulted in his support of St. John when he was persecuted by the Empress Eudoxia and Archbishop Theophilus. After the death of St. John, St. Isidore persuaded Theophilus' successor, St. Cyril, to inscribe the name of St. John Chrysostom into the church diptychs as a confessor. Through the initiative of St. Isidore the Third Ecumenical Council was convened at Ephesus in 431, at which the false teaching of Nestorius concerning the person of Jesus Christ was condemned. St. Isidore lived into old age and died around the year 436. The church historian Evagius in the 6th century writes of St. Isidore, His life seemed to everyone the life of an angel upon the earth. Another historian, Nisiphorus Callistus, in the 9th century, praises St. Isidore, saying, he was a vital and inspired pillar of monastic rules and divine vision, and as such he presented a very lofty image of most fervent example and spiritual teaching. Holy Great Prince George was the son of Great Prince Vesevolod, nicknamed Big Nest. He was born in the year 1189, and he assumed the great princely throne of Vladimir in 1212. He was distinguished for his military valor and his piety. In the year 1237, the Tatar-Mongol horde of Batu descended upon the Russian land. St. George was compelled to leave the capital city in charge of his sons, and went north to meet up with the other princes. On March 4, 1238, the battle at the river Sita was fought, 
in which the Tatars destroyed the small but valiant company of the great prince. The saint himself fell in this fight, and Bishop Cyril buried his body at the Roslov Cathedral. Two years later, it was transferred to Vladimir's Dormition Cathedral with great solemnity. The church glorification of the saint occurred in 1645. Saint Cyril of Newlake was born into a pious family. The Lord marked him as one of the chosen even before he was born. Cyril's mother was praying in church during the divine liturgy, and the infant in her womb cried out, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord of Sabbath. From the time of his childhood, the saint was fond of solitude and prayer, and he dreamt of monastic life. At fifteen years of age, Cyril secretly left his parental home, intending to enter the Skov Caves Monastery. He did not know the way to the monastery and took nothing from home for the journey. He went his way, putting all his trust in the Lord and his all-pure mother. Twenty versts from the city, the youth met a magnificent monastic elder who led him to the monastery. As he left, he blessed him with the words, May God bless you, my child and grant you the angelic schema. May you be a chosen vessel of the Divine Spirit. Having said this, the elder became invisible. The boy realized that this had been a messenger from God, and he gave thanks to the Lord. The Ugumen, St. Cornelius, commemorated on February 20th, saw with his clairvoyant eye the grace manifest in the young man. He provided him with much guidance and tonsured him into the monastic schema with the name Cyril. The 15-year-old monk astonished the brethren with his efforts. He emaciated the flesh through fasting and prayer, and zealously fulfilled obedience. Day and night he was ready to study the word of God. Even then he thought to end his days in solitude in the wilderness. The boy's parents mourned him as one dead, but once an elder of the monastery of St. Cornelius came to them and told them about their son and his life at the monastery. The joyful news confirmed in Cyril's mother her love for God. She spoke with her husband about leaving to the monastery her portion of the inheritance then left the world and became a nun with the name Elena, Helen. She died in peace a short time later. The saint's father came to the monastery, and Ugumen Cornelius told Cyril to meet with him. The saint was troubled, but not daring to disobey the Ugumen, he fell down at his father's feet. He begged forgiveness for secretly leaving home. The father forgave his son, and he himself remained at the monastery. St. Cornelius tonsured him into monasticism with the name Brasanufius, and gave him to his son for instruction. Three years later, he peacefully fell asleep in the Lord. His son continued to toil more fervently for the Lord, disdaining his own will, and was obedient not only to the Igumen, but also to the brethren. He thirsted to go about all the Russian land, venerating its holy shrines, and to find for himself a wilderness place for a life of silence. With the blessing of St. Cornelius, St. Cyril left the monastery in which he had grown strong spiritually, and he went to the coastal regions, roaming through the forests and the wild places, eating tree roots and berries. The saint spent about twenty years in this difficult exploit of wonder. He went to the outskirts of Moscow, Novgorod, and Skov, but he never entered any house, nor did he accept alms. He wandered about during the day and spent his nights at prayer on church porches, and he attended the church services. Once while at prayer, St. Cyril saw a heavenly light, indicating the direction where he should found a monastery. He set off on his way at once, and having reached the Tikhvin Monastery, he spent three days and three nights there in ceaseless prayer to the Most Holy Theotokos. The Mother of God appeared to him in a dream, showing her approval for him. She said, My servant Cyril, pleaser of the Most Holy Trinity, go to the eastern region of White Lake, and the Lord my son will show you the place of rest for your old age. The saint proceeded to White Lake, weeping copious tears at the miraculous vision. 
On the lake he saw a small island, from which a pillar of fire rose up to the sky. There, beneath a centuries-old spruce tree, St. Cyril built a hut, and then set up two cells, one for himself, the other for future brethren. The hermit also constructed two small churches, one in honor of the resurrection of Christ, and the other in honor of the Mother of God, Hodigitri. He underwent many temptations from invisible enemies, and from idlers roving about, but he overcame everything by brave endurance and constant prayer. News of his holy life spread everywhere, and brethren gathered round him. There were many instances of healing through his prayers, and the Lord also granted his saint the gift of foresight. Sensing his impending end, St. Cyril summoned the brethren. With tears of humility, the saint instructed his spiritual children one last time, until his voice gave out. For a long time then he was silent, but suddenly he cried out with loud sobbing, I go to the Lord and to life eternal, but I entrust you to God the word and his grace. Bestowing an inheritance and sanctification upon all may help you, but I beseech you, do not become lax in fasting and prayers. Guard yourself from the snares of the enemy, and the Lord and his ineffable mercy will not condemn your humility. Having said this, the saint gave a final kiss to the brethren, received the holy mysteries, signed himself with the sign of the cross, and with the words, Glory to God for everything. He gave up his pure soul to the Lord on February 4, 1532. Saints Abraham and Coprius of Pechenga in 1492 founded the Savior Wilderness Monastery at the river Pechenga in Gryazovetsk district, 21 versts from Ovologda. It required great work to bring in the necessities to the wilderness spot. In order to build the monastery and set everything in proper order, the blessed toilers did not spare themselves, zealously living in asceticism until their death. St. Yadurus suffered martyrdom with St. Isidore, not Isidore of Pelusium, in the reign of Decius 249 to 251. The Hieromartyr Abramius, Bishop of Arabella, suffered during a persecution against Christians in Persia under the Emperor Sapor II. When they demanded that the saint renounce Christ and worship the Son, he answered, How foolish to forsake the Creator, and instead worship creatures. Isn't the Son just a creation of my God? After this, they fiercely beat and tortured him. St. Abramius prayed during torture, echoing the words of the Savior, Lord, do not count this sin against them, for they know not what they do. The Hiram Martyr was beheaded by the sword in the village of Philman. St. Nicholas the Confessor, Igumen of the Studion Monastery, lived during the 9th century. He was born on the island of Crete, in the village of Cadonia, into a Christian family. When he was 10, his parents sent him to Constantinople to his uncle, St. Theophanes, commemorated on October 11th, who was a monk at the Studion Monastery. With the approval of St. Theodore, commemorated on November 11th, the head of the Studion Monastery, the boy was enrolled in the monastery school. When he finished school at 16 years of age, he was tonsured a monk. After several years, he was ordained a priest. During this time, there was a fierce persecution initiated by the Byzantine Emperor Leo the Armenian, 813-820, against those who venerated the holy icons. St. Nicholas and St. Theodore the Studite were repeatedly locked up in prison, tortured in various ways, and humiliated. However, they zealously continued to defend orthodoxy. Under the Holy Empress Theodora, commemorated on February 11th, who ruled the realm while her son Michael was still a minor, 
icon veneration was restored, and a time of relative peace followed. St. Nicholas returned to the Sudite monastery and was chosen its head. But this calm did not last very long. The Empress Theodora was removed from the throne, and the Emperor's uncle, Mardas, a man who defiled himself by open cohabitation with his son's wife, came to power. The attempts of Patriarch Ignatius, commemorated on October 23rd, to restrain the impiety of Bardas, proved unsuccessful. On the contrary, he was deposed from the patriarchal throne and sent into exile. Unwilling to witness the triumph of iniquity, St. Nicholas left Constantinople. He spent seven years at various monasteries. Later on, he returned as a prisoner to the Studite Monastery, where he spent two years imprisoned until the death of the Emperor Michael, 855-867, and Bardas. When the Emperor Basil I, the Macedonian, 867-886, ascended the throne, St. Nicholas was set free, and again became Igumen on the orders of the Emperor. Because of his life as a confessor and ascetic, he received from God the gift of healing, which continued even after his repose in the year 868. St. Evagrisi was born to God-fearing and pious parents who read the Holy Scriptures to him from the earliest years of his childhood. When he reached manhood, Evagrisi became ruler of Tsikedei. One day, Evagrisi went hunting in the Sarkinati Mountains, where Shio of Mivgime had settled. While he was hunting, his companions dispersed in various directions, and he was left alone to survey his surroundings. There he beheld a bird, resembling a dove, on its way to bring food to Father Shio, and noted the place where it landed. The next day he located the hermit's cave dwelling. Astonished at Father Shio's strict asceticism, Saint Evagrisi was filled with holy envy, having a desire to emulate the hermit, and he told him, God is truly alive, I will not leave you, I will not go back. Saint Shio advised him to be wary of such an impulsive decision, since it would be quite difficult for a man who had grown up in luxury to suddenly begin a new life in the wilderness. But Evagrisi answered him firmly, Even if it means I must die here with you today, I will not depart from this place. In order to test his faith, Saint Shio entrusted Evagrisi with his staff and instructed him, saying, Put my staff in the Mitvari River, it will part the water and clear a path for you to cross. Secure your home and return to me. On your return, when you reach the Mitvari River, use my staff again to clear a path for yourself. If it fails, then continue on your way as before. That would mean that it is not God's will to fulfill your desire. Evagrisi obediently took Sinchio's staff and touched it to the water of the Mitguari. The river parted, and he crossed confidently to the other side. Having returned to the palace, Evagrisi distributed all his possessions to the poor, secured his home, and set off again to find Father Shio. He performed the same miracle on his return. The river parted in two, and the faithful Evagrisi passed through. Father Shio tonsured Evagrisi into the monastic life, and the former ruler settled near the Holy Father's cave. There, he learned to be patient and watchful in how to pray, while acquiring other virtues as fruits of his ascetic labors. St. Shio anticipated that the number of monks in the wilderness would multiply, and he built a church for them in a place that God had revealed. The great gifts of the Holy Fathers were soon made known, and many pilgrims journeyed to the Sarkinati Mountains to receive their blessing. When King Parsman heard, belatedly, that his beloved army chief had been tonsured a monk, he became sorrowful and personally traveled to St. Shio's wilderness. 
His hope was to bring Evagrisi back into the world, but the Blessed Father responded with monastic composure, O King, why are you disturbing me, a man born to serve God, by asking me to become like a dog who returns to his own vomit? The news of St. Shio, Evagrisi, and the other holy strugglers spread throughout Georgia, and many laymen were inspired to enter the monastic life. After many years, St. Shio grew old, and he gathered the brotherhood of monks around him. You must choose one from among you to lead this community. From now on, I will labor in the well that I have prepared for my grave, he told them. The brothers were exceedingly sorrowful at having to part with their beloved teacher, and in vain they pleaded with him to remain at the monastery. At last, they asked Father Shio to appoint a successor, and he chose Evagrisi as the monastery's next abbot. The humble, gracious Evagrisi objected to this appointment, considering himself unfit to fulfill such a difficult responsibility. He begged St. Shio to reconsider his decision, but the elder simply responded, If you consent to our will, you will receive a joyous reward from God. When he returns in his glory, he will repay you for your obedience. At last, St. Evagrisi accepted his teacher's counsel, and he directed the monastery's activity with the help of God from that day forward.